It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jay Crawford, Adam the Bull, Garrett Bush, Tyvis Powell, Jason Lloyd. Plus, you're loving him, Mikey McNuggets. And so many big names, it would take me hours to say all of their names. The ultimate Cleveland sports show starts now. Booyah! It's Friday! Normally we're so excited that we're 50 hours from game time. This week, all I can muster is... We're 50 hours from game. (laughs) (laughs) However, however, we had a conversation before the show. We're going to tell you why this game does have some interest. It may not mean a whole lot in the standings, but there is a lot of interest in different storylines that we're going to talk about throughout the next 90 minutes here and then 30 minutes on WKYC coming up at 1230. It feels like the last show before the preseason, the last preseason game, because you're like, I can't wait for this game to be over. Yeah, you're right. right. (laughs) You're right. Just get over it. Well, normally so many tears have been wept by this point that everyone's dehydrated. We're cried out. Yeah, they just want it to be over. Like this game doesn't matter for other reasons because you just, you just need to bury the body once and for all. And and now it's just, it's purgatory. Now he's waiting a week. Guys, you got to just learn to relax, man. You got to learn to just walk through the flowers and smell the aroma and do that victory lap. Look around like, look at us. 11 wins. Yeah. This Going is beautiful. For 12. I'm just watching well, the game today. Yeah. Seeing what my yeah. team's going to do. You made me feel better yesterday <laughs> when you said usually by this time, you're three mock drafts in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> like this year. Charlie, and even though we don't have a first round draft pick anyhow. Like it's Talking still, about a new coach. I mean, pretty much right. every offseason was right. either – New quarterback, new coach, new GM. At least one of those three things. You're right. That's yeah. not and sometimes three. all of them. Yes. That's December in Berea. This is January That's true. in Berea. Yeah. It's nuts. Yeah. 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 It really true. is crazy. Yeah. We're here for it. I mean, we've got a lot to talk about on the show. But, but Jay, Tim real Cowles quick. joins us. Go Jay ahead. Jay, quick. Sorry. Is that, you know, people can say, well, act like you've been there before. Well, we've never been here before. No. The Browns right. haven't been in a situation where they're playing a meaningless game because they're in the playoffs. Right. In forever. So most people have, don't know how to act right now. Yeah, and the more I've thought about it this week, the more I come up with the idea that this is the absolute perfect scenario. Like, if you're going to draw up a scenario for how you're going to go into the playoffs, obviously, you'd like it to be meaningless because you're the number one. Sure. But outside of that, it can't really get much better than this. And there's a lot of things that the Browns can accomplish this weekend. That's why I say, I know it's meaningless in terms of, you know, positioning and seating and all of that, but there are things that the Browns will take from what they see on Sunday and they'll use that moving forward into the playoff game. Uh, Tim Couch is here. Jim Schwartz saying yesterday that uh, he's not done being a head coach. He wants to do that again. Oh. Oddly enough, uh, oh, he Lord. was not voted as one of the top five defensive coordinators by his own players. This was a vote where the players could only vote on their coordinators. They rated them 1 to 10. And I, I'm kind of surprised. I thought they love him. They, it seems like they do. I thought that uh, he would have got the most flowers from his own guys, but it didn't work out that way. We'll talk about that, maybe try to figure out why it didn't happen that way. And also, who are we most excited to watch Sunday in these backup roles for guys that could be big contributors moving forward in the playoffs? All of that straight ahead. Again, 90 minutes here, 30 minutes on WKYC. But right now, it's time for our first hello and good morning of the day to Mikey McNuggets. What's up, guys? 
I'm worry, excited brother. to see how this show goes down because our pre-show meeting it was one of the feistier pre-show meetings we've had in a long time. <laughs> yeah, Bull, Bull was a little cantankerous about <laughs> many of I, our I like topics. I that word. Cantankerous is very accurate. <laughs> I love that word, cantankerous. Is, is, is that an accurate Did you wake up on the wrong side no, of the no, bed? No, it wasn't that I was – I actually wasn't cantankerous. I just love that word. I just think the idea <laughs> of uh, – expectations from Jeff Driscoll just sounded very funny to me. I know. So what happened was Mikey's going over the topics. He sends them out the night before. We all digest them and then just make sure there's no changes. He goes over the call sheet in the morning call. And when Mikey was just doing his job, he's like, okay, and then we're going to talk about expectations for Jeff Driscoll. And Bull's like, Hated it. who the F has any expectations for Jeff Driscoll? He was in a, Why are we talking about this? He was in the background like, hate, 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 hate. It was a belly hate, laugh. Hate, it was a hate. deep, like, Bull slouching his chin yeah. belly laugh, too. I, mo- and I appreciate Jay, and I appreciate Jason, and even you, G, for having my back there. Yeah, we all said it. You're really strong on it, and I am, too. Yeah, I think it ma- that I, absolutely. This does mean something. I, I Well, I, it, it does. I agree. But I how saying, do you gauge what was, we expect him yeah, to I mean, do? expecting <laughs> Jeff, most of our fans probably never heard of Jeff Driscoll before a week ago. Oddly enough, this is the third different quarterback that we've asked that question about this year. Yes. We asked it about uh, Philip. I mean, we knew nothing about what, what PJ was going to bring to the party. Yeah. So we asked it about him. We asked it about Flacco. I don't think we did about DTR. But we, we actually did with DTR because yes. we learned okay. like, so the we learned time. two <laughs> seconds before the TV show started that Watson was out that Friday. Yeah. yeah. So remember, we just had a pivot, and our topic was we never seen him play. Only I think we probably did it five times because we didn't know what to expect from Watson. At the start You're of probably the right. That's yeah. actually probably true. And sneak peek, Jay, real quick, I'll tell you, and I'm not going to tell you who, but someone on this panel thinks he's thrown for 300 yards this week. Gee. Oh, gee. I, I wonder, wonder who that, that is. Oh, gee. <laughs> who could that be? You know what? Here's what I thought. When I saw that, I saw that in his headline. I said, McNuggets could be the sixth starter this year. And we would ask the question, what are your expectations for McNuggets? Oh, he got 300. Hey, he got 300. But, but by the way, that Kool-Aid be hitting different because I said every week Joe Flacavelli was throwing for three and he just did what I said. Well, just, by, you're right. By the way, to defend G, when we got off the phone, I said, I said, I said, and Micah back us up. I said, man, G's in La La Land. And then I said, but this whole season's been La La Land. <laughs> You're right. Who the hell knows? I mean, look, maybe this is the year where G's unrealistic expectations. Remember before the season started? How many yards? Oh, I, I, his Deshaun Watson. I got him for 5,000. So, so, so here's the thing. I've actually written these down. I've written them down on a tablet under my refrigerator. Yeah. Things I was right about. Odell Beckham getting $15 million. That's on you, boo. Joe Flacavelli. <laughs> Joe Flacavelli coming to throw for three. That was on all y'all. Jason, yeah. I told you DeJuan Jones was good. He's going to play. And Kareem Hunt has almost 10 touchdowns. Oh, and Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy and Brock Purdy has been garbage against good teams. So therefore you oh, oh no not against all the good teams. oh no 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 he's beaten fair. some really good teams his bad games have come against really good he's, teams though he's played he's had a few garbage games but I would agree with Jay he's, he's when, had good games when do you want to talk about Imani Bates <laughs> hey, oh hey, I love Kevin Stefanski he hey, out of here listen, he out of here you two, he's no, out of this no, his, no, leash, no, his no, leash is this long no, no, he no, got fire games fire him I, or, fire him I, or, during the Colts game we fire him we hugged it out I talked to him via email and I said I was sorry to him and he said it was cool now Imani Bates he came about 30 a game now that is in the JV but <laughs> <laughs> hey, this 
going to be a fun Friday. I gee, we love it. We Friday. love it. Don't oh. ever change, man. Don't <laughs> and ever change. This, this first topic is right up your alley. We're going to talk about <clears throat> some expectations for guys oh. who are playing an expanded role. But before If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we do that, a quick word from FanDuel. Even as the weather gets colder and the NFL season nears its end, there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose, for new customers. The app is easy to use, and they have so many different ways to bet, including... Live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explorer tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays, and so much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL, an official partner of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And let's give a shout-out to Matt Kolker for today's winning ticket. This comes our last ticket from Thursday Night Football last week, but Matt... Hit a 12-part same-game parlay, Ooh. turned $10 into $700, $698 to be exact, with a 12-part same-game parlay on the Browns' win over the Jets. A couple of the ones he hit on were Njoku over 40 receiving yards, Brees Hall over 25 receiving yards, Joe Flacco over a passing touchdown, Brees Hall over 40 rushing yards, and Garrett Wilson under 51.5 receiving yards. Wilson finished with 50, so by the hair of his chinny-chin-chin, wow. turned 10 bucks Now, why is Cooper voided on that ticket? Because he didn't play. He didn't play. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. So had Cooper played so. in those hit, that 10 could have been even more. Good for but him. still good for Matt. That's interesting. 10 bucks so if a guy doesn't play, it's voided. I never knew that. I figured you just lost the bet because it didn't get the no. – yeah. yeah, no. If voided. he gets hurt during the game, you right. screwed. Right. It's like in the old days before yeah. they were giving half points for everything. Right. And the game was tied. It was just a push. Yeah. You know, you got your yeah, money back. That's interesting. Take it out. Um, um, I got a question for you, Mikey, shoot. before we dive in. Um, rate your five piece of stats, the McNuggets five piece of stats. Is it good this week? Is it great? No, it's it's not the greatest one, I'll be honest, because <laughs> Good I didn't know who was playing. So this <laughs> was more tease. big picture overall Brown stuff as we get ready. Mike, it's okay to fib and say it's unbelievable. We want uh, listen, viewers to stick around. One thing I don't do is I don't lie. All right. I'll be honest well, with the people. We appreciate that's your that's honesty. There's, there's some let me just tell you something. I think it's going to be awesome because it there, always is. It's good stuff. Um, it's just not the greatest And, and one other thing, uh, Mike was saying all week, and I've repeated this to many people. In fact, yeah. I told Jimmy Donovan, I'm going to have to tell him, when I see him later, that, that I slash McNuggets was wrong. Yeah. I've been telling everybody, um, McNuggets has been researching this. He says he's gone back to the point that they started keeping records that no NFL team has ever won five games with, or uh, games with five different quarterbacks in the sta- same season. And this morning on the call, he yeah. tells us, oh, my bad. Yeah, it I got did that. happen once. It has well, happened before. It, 
It's happened. It in has strike happened. season. But it's an asterisk. That, 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 that should have been the first place you checked the strike season because that's all where all the anomalies are, right? You're they right. didn't even play yeah. a full season, which may even make it more impressive, but the 1987 Patriots did technically have five quarterbacks that win a game. It was Doug Flutie, Bob Byler, Tony Easton, Tom Ramsey, and Steve Grogan. All oh, games I have that not season. heard. Who was the second guy? I never heard of that guy. He was Bob Byler, who was the replacement. He, I was going to say he was probably the oh, replacement. He played one game, played against guys who never played again. Yeah. He played against NFL players but, who were. And that was in fourteen the games, right? Uh, uh, they 15. played fifteen that season. Oh, 15. I remember that strike. That was nutty. Yeah, it was crazy. It was so weird. Did you ever see the movie The Replacements? Have you guys seen? No, I didn't see it. Yeah, that's a Gene Hackman movie. Gene Hackman and Was it based on that season or no? No, no, but it was based on. They were a bunch of replacement. You know, on the strike. Yeah, no, I didn't see that. What movie was where the quarterback kept throwing up in his helmet with Jamie Foxx? Any given Sunday. Yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, they um, could tie history, but it wouldn't technically be the first time. Even though yeah, it'd be the first I mean, time against history. non-replacement players, it would ever happen. Yeah. So there is yeah. still something on the line here. But sure. you are right, and my bad. I did find it though. That's so okay. No, I wanted there, to clear that up because we've been yeah. saying on the air this week uh, a number of times that yeah. he's trying to do something that hasn't been done before. And we're going to talk about. We're still going to rate that accomplishment, even though it has been done. We'll rate that accomplishment in the pantheon of all these great sports records that we um, so often like to talk about. Uh, we're starting with backups. Because that's the story for this week. Yeah. Which of the backups are you guys most excited to see? For me, it's Pierre Strong. Because I've been championing for him to play for most of the season. Uh, Now, uh, credit to Jerome Ford. As I've been down on him all year, I thought he played his best game last week. I, I thought he showed great patience. I thought he showed the best vision he's seen all year. I don't know what happened. Hopefully that will continue. But I... And that, you know, the, num- the numbers don't look eye-popping, but I thought he played really well and had some excellent runs. That's all they need. That's all they need. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean hell, the rec- it is eye-popping because of the receiving five yards, yards of carry on the rushes, but yeah. the receiving yards and the touchdowns. Right, that was a great play by him. He did a oh, lot of work on that play. Tremendous play. But I, every time I've seen Pierre Strong play, I feel like there's a little juice there that mm. they haven't used for whatever reason. Now, I trust Kevin Stefanski. Obviously, there's a reason they haven't used him. But uh, the guy, you know, when he got a chance in New England was pretty uh, effective. And when he, I mean, at 4.6 yards per carry and limited carries is pretty impressive behind an offensive line that's been not that good again, uh, you know, in terms of the run. So he's the guy I'd like to see. I think he's, I think the Browns are going to run the ball a ton in this game. I wouldn't be surprised if he ran for 100 yards this week. Wow. Nice. Jay? Well, the guy I'm most interested to see is Jeff Driscoll. How about that, Paul? <laughs> you stole my thunder. <laughs> yeah. Because, okay, so there's two there's two schools of thought here on why you start Driscoll. Either you're trying to protect P.J. Walker because you want to go in to the playoffs fully healthy at the quarterback position. Whoever thought you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> you're starting someone other than P.J. because oh you want to make sure he's healthy. Or, but you're right. You're right, though. Or. I know. You want to see what he can do. Or you want to see what Driscoll can do because he might be your backup quarterback if if Flacco were to go down and no one wants to talk about it, but the backups one play away, you're one snap away and you have to have somebody back there you can trust. And I don't think Kevin Stefanski trusts PJ Walker because he is a turnover machine. Every time he touches the ball, he turns it over. So if Driscoll, listen, if Driscoll shows something Sunday and he's halfway decent, it wouldn't shock me at all. If, if PJ's deactivated and Driscoll is the backup to Joe Flacco in the playoffs, I think that's why he's out there on Sunday. So yeah, this matters. This matters a lot. You may not think it does, but I think it does. And the numbers are not great, you know, when you look at the record. But the, the touchdown interceptions. The numbers don't match up for either guy. Yeah, I know. I know. 
They're so, really odd. So, I mean, they, they did cut PJ. You know, they did release him. And then they brought him back on practice squad when, shocking, he went unclaimed. So, <laughs> I, I don't think that there's this great love affair. Uh, and I don't think PJ's entrenched as the backup. So, if, if Driscoll falls flat on his face and he's a disaster and he turns it over three times, they'll probably roll with, with Flacco and, and PJ to the playoffs. And hopefully it doesn't matter. You know, hopefully Joe stays healthy and it's a moot point. But you got to have somebody back there you can trust. So I think absolutely this matters because Jeff Driscoll could, could be your backup quarterback going to the playoffs. You know, I, I think Jeff Driscoll, when they got him, I think it's even deeper than that. I think they're trying to, they're trying to gather a lot of data. I know they're analytical, but, you know, take a look at it. You got uh, you, you got PJ Walker. You got some data on him. You got DTR. A little bit of data on him. Now you bring in Jeff Driscoll, and you already know what Joe Flacco has been doing. Now the situation is like, okay, not only are they looking at probably this year, I think they're already starting to look at contingency plans next year. There's a if you were to tell me who's going to be the starting quarterback, backup quarterback next year, because Deshaun Watson will be starting this season. There could be three, four different answers. Like, you know, they'll be battling it out, especially if they want to bring Flacco back. I, I like your argument. I, I've been arguing for Pierre Strong for, for a minute. I think he has more juice with giving the carries. I think you'll see what he can do. He's more of a downhill running back. But for me, I'm going to just spice it up a little bit and go with Cedric Tillman. Um, if, you, if you ask me what's the Browns' biggest need going into next year, I would say receiver. Um, I see why they gave up Donovan Peoples-Jones. Bernie talked about it, and he said, I can see why the Browns like him, big body guy, but I need to see him finish these routes. He's been pushed out of bounds a little bit. I think he's been, been, been caught asking for flags a little bit too much, and two or three times, it looks like he did not do what he was supposed to do in the route. So for me, you get an opportunity to be the number one receiver out here. I want to see what Cedric Tillman has to offer. All of those are right answers. They're, they're, they're the top three in my book. I, but for me, because it's the vital position, I'm with Jason. It's got to be Jeff Driscoll. <clears throat> we don't know what this guy can do. I mean, Bull's probably more familiar with him than any of us because yeah. he yeah. started for the Bengals for Not a little. Not much, but yeah. He's seen him more yeah, than we've like, seen yeah. him. You know, um, I, honest to God, I don't know what the hell to expect from him. I mean, he could go out there. It's interesting. When you look at his numbers – I don't know how he only won one of his 10 starts. Th- those are numbers that you would think I, would win games. Often with a, with a quarterback of that level, which is Jeff Driscoll, P.J. Walker, you know, the, the, if, if, if the defense state, maybe he's putting up those numbers if no, they've I know. been blown I, out already. Yeah, know. there's a lot of variables. We yeah. don't know, but, but Flacco's touchdown to interceptions are 13 to 8. Right. And he's 4-1. and one. Right, but Joe Flacco uh, the last few years, his win-loss record's terrible. And he's been, you know, at times terrible, but at times he's played well and they've lost. Yeah, I just think that for the, the a sample size that's yeah. 10 games, right? and you, you tell me he's only going to turn it over eight times in those 10 games, but he's going to throw for 14 touchdowns. You think, okay, he'll get lucky in two or three, maybe yeah. four of those games a yeah, win. I, don't know. I think he's, I, I don't know, I, but I'm, what my expectation is, he's going to surprise us. He's not going to wow us. He's not going to come up to Joe Flacco level, but I think he's going to look like, all the quarterbacks in this system at times have looked. Mm-hmm. There were moments where I looked at P.J. Walker, I, I, not many, but there were times where I said, <laughs> wow, didn't expect that from him. DTR at times looked like he was on the path to be the definitive backup quarterback in this system. Yeah. Uh, uh, certainly Deshaun Watson had moments. So I think this system makes it easy for quarterbacks to have moments like that. The key is... 
He needs to have more moments where he looks good than scratch-your-head moments like yeah. P.J. Walker gave us. And if he takes care of the football, there's no reason why the Browns can't win this game. Yeah, sure. This is a game, like, neither team really has anything to play for. The Bengals know, what, are what playing are the Bengals a lot of their starters. Are they? I was just going to ask yeah, you Yeah, I mean, they're playing. I mean, Jamar Chase is banged up, and he's playing. Yeah. Uh, and and I'm sure, I mean, Browning's been a starter now for half the year. I'm sure, I mean, he's playing. So, yeah. I think most of their guys are going to play. I don't know, T. Higgins is a little banged up, too. I'm not sure what he's doing. But most of their guys are going to play. So, But you never know what the motivation is. <laughs> it's not like the Bengals have a chance to spoil something for the Browns. So right. I don't know what their motivation is going to be. Yeah. It's a weird game. The Bengals are favored by seven. Feels like an exhibition game, doesn't it? I mean, it's just a little bit. It, yeah. The backups are going to be out there, at least yeah. for the Browns. And there's one nothing at stake. One other interesting guy um, on this team that I assume is going to play is Ronnie Hickman. Now, yeah, I would Imagine he played right, a lot. Assume, right? Yeah. Now, Ronnie Hickman has played really, really well the last few weeks. And you wonder, like, as the Browns now have a lot of good players and they're paying a lot of money on a lot of players, you wonder if the Browns, like, if they, if, if they look at Hickman as being a starting caliber player in the NFL, and he's played that way for the last month now, doesn't mean he is, but I don't know how the Browns feel about him. You know, maybe they think about cutting ties with Delpit or Thornhill. I'm not yeah. saying it's going to happen, Sometimes but you can't does. pay everybody. Well, didn't that happen with Harris at center a couple of years ago? Yeah. He, they, he I think hurt. they were so impressed with what they saw they from him. They let go. Yeah, and they said, you know what? Yeah. I, I think we can part ways with J.C. because yeah. he's played well enough to in- inherit the starter job. Right. Betty obviously got hurt. They had yeah. to get close. Well, 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 I, I thought also they told J.C., you, you, you're doing too much union around here. Yeah, yeah that, that had a lot to do with it, <laughs> I too. was going to say, I think that had more to do with it. But, but I, I do think this, though, because I agree with you guys. Like it was, I think there was a lot of that underneath the surface. He basically but I also think that if Harris, boycott, yeah, like yes, but if Harris program. wasn't ready, I don't know that they would have pulled trigger on that move. Yeah, because you're not gonna, yeah. you're not gonna yeah. sacrifice the strength of your right. line unless you. Th- and they probably said, you know what? All things being equal, yeah. Harris can do the job. JC's expendable. Yeah, yeah, and so you just, you know, you wonder. That happens, right? The Bengals just did that last year. They let both their safeties go. Yeah, you're right. Because they you're felt right. like they had to save money in other places to pay Burrow, to pay Chase, whatever. And Hickman's now the Browns spend more than the agent. Bengals do. But yeah, I mean, Hickman's making no money. So, I, you know, we'll see. I, I'm not saying they're definitely going to let those guys go. Right. But he's interesting because, I mean, he's played, I think he's played phenomenal. Played very well. well in the preseason. I think he had three, three interceptions. Yeah. He's had a couple more, hasn't he, including a pick six. I don't know how this guy season, went undrafted. I don't either. I, but I, credit to the Browns scouting yeah. staff for calling this guy in undrafted out of Ohio State. I and know. he has been a contributor. So, yeah, I'm, I'm on the defensive side, I think he's the guy I'm most interested to see. Yeah. Can he keep that play up, Mike? Who's little the teaser, Browns but uh, Hickman defensive is backs a, coach, by the way, Mike? Do you know? The Browns de- I'll look it up in one sec. But because little teaser, phenomenal. <laughs> Hickman's in the five stats that's coming up. Another okay. guy to okay. watch, though, is Cam Mitchell. And you talk yeah, about making decisions. If Cam Mitchell steps in, plays at a level that is up to spar with some other guys, they have a lot of guys in second that have to get paid. Yeah, and not just as safeties, but as cornerbacks. And you, once again, as both said, you can't pay everybody. Right. So at you look some to point, save where you can. Yeah. And no that can, might be yeah. a couple of guys that will allow them to right. save money with some of the veterans instead of paying sure. them to stick around. With them foreshadowed this McNuggets. I I agree with that to a certain extent. Only if you have the coaching staff to back it up. And I think 
Jim Schwartz is a very big reason why some of these guys that we see are like, how are they doing it? Yeah. What are they doing? Well, they're playing very, very well I, right yeah. now. Because We're going to talk about, that, you know, Schwartz's impact on the defense. I think we'll be able to measure it this weekend because you're going to take the Jimmys and the Joes out, yep. and then it will be all about the X's and the O's, yeah. and it'll give us a chance to sort of see just what Jim Schwartz's impact can be with just guys, not superstars, but just yeah. guys. Mike? Well, that leads us right into our next topic. And a quick reminder that even as the NFL season comes to an end, there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including Live same-game parlays, finding bets in the new Explorer tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. We'll talk about the NFLPA players poll and where Schwartz came in on that in a sec. But, G, to your point, and I just want to ask this question, and maybe it's ridiculous, but I think it could be valid depending on how you look at it. If you think Schwartz is as good of a defensive coordinator as I think we all look at him as, how good do you think this Browns defense could be if you take the starting 11 out and put Jim Schwartz with the backup 11, which do include some really good players like Hickman, Ogbo, Alex Wright, Shelby Harris. They got some ballers on that second unit. Gee, how good could this defense be? Jim Schwartz coaching the Browns' second teamers. Um, well, we're going to find out. I think they'll play very well. Like, if you go back to the preseason – they didn't play anybody. They didn't even play Miles Garrett. They didn't play, you know, a lot of guys. The most guy, the, the biggest name we saw play was like Zadarius Smith. He played like one or one, you know, one or two series. But one thing that we saw was we started saying early, if they can't move the ball on these dudes, what's going to what is going to look like when they got all the all the pieces there? And we started seeing that the first game. I think Jim Schwartz is a very pivotal piece. And the reason I say this is my experience is this. Jim Schwartz holds you accountable for certain things that a lot of coaches wouldn't. I love the fact that he, he, he talks about his defense in the public because when you make a certain amount of money, I don't believe in that. Oh, you don't, you don't call your players out. No, no, no. When you make a certain amount of money, you have to be accountable. And he does it and he gives you little nuggets at first. He, t- he warned you in practice. Then he warned you a little bit in the press conferences, right? When they were getting gashed in the middle of the season, when they was giving up all them rush yards, he was like, listen, we need, look, we got to buckle down. We ain't trying to hear about no awards and none of that. The t- second thing that he brings to the table is this. It's not just his scheme. It's the way he calls the scheme. It's about when he calls the pressures or when he calls the, d- the things up front to get people home. And that's the part I think people miss the most. And when you, if you don't have Jim Schwartz, you don't have that mentality. Look at the way that the mentality from JOK to Newsom to Ward to Emerson, some of those other guys. Look how good Taki Taki has looked. He's he's molding these dudes because he simplifies the game plan. He has them play fast, and it's just not what he what he's saying. It's what he does in certain downs of distance. So I'm gonna see this week. That's why I believe every football game is important. There's only 18 of them. That would, that's what makes the NFL great. You can learn something from every single week that people go out there and play. Mike framed the question with Schwartz calling the defense and second stringers playing. This Browns defense would be what? 
So what is your answer to that? Over a whole season. Top five, top half. Oh, you mean a whole season? Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. what? Ex- extrapolate it? Like, yeah. Like what would they be if you took the superstars uh, out? You know, could they be a top half defense? I, I think I, I think they could possibly be a 15, 14. Don't get it twisted. The reason the Browns are good is because they got two things every defensive coordinator wants. Rush guys. You got the best rush guy who's going to take up three, four blocks, and you can scheme around that. Two, they actually have somebody on the other side that you can't just single up all the time who can get home. Three, they got defensive tackles and waves of them that they rotate in and get money off, and it doesn't matter. They're going to wave them in. And the mo- I think almost the most important thing is you got three corners you got that play man-to-man better than pretty much every other corner in the league. You got three of them. So now you could double up and do whatever you want to. I think the, the, the scheme it works hand-in-hand with the personnel. If you didn't have that personnel, you take Miles Garrett away, Denzel Ward, Oh, it's different. Don't don't act like you could go out there and do that. Like they, they, these guys are special. He got right. special talent. Jay, I can't go any higher than fifteen or twenty because like you just said <clears throat> when you take away Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward, MJ Emerson, I mean, you can only do so much. Even JOK, yeah. I mean, where JOK is at, and now you for Mike's question, now you're relying on Siaki Ika to play a pretty big role, and yep. we just haven't seen enough to confidently say. I mean, by the way, when you're talking about all backups still being top 15 or 20 means you're better than 10 groups of starters. Exactly. That's still pretty good. Okay, yeah. you guys are out of your mind if you think they'd still be top 15. I said top. 20. Uh, come yeah. on now. 15. Listen, this is no insult to Jim Schwartz or the defense. I don't think they'd be the worst in football, but let's let's compare it here. The Bengals defense this year has not been very good. They've been a bottom 10 defense in the league. Are they really bottom 10? Yeah, they have not been good. Okay. Wow, I didn't and, realize they and, did. But if you compare talent, of the Bengals' starting defense and the Browns' backup defense, the Bengals are better in every spot except for maybe safety. That's it. All right, the Bengals would have a way better D-line, way better linebackers, and way better corners if you're talking starters against backups. And the Bengals are bottom 10. So there's no way the and, – and you could say, well, they got Jim Schwartz. Well, listen, you, you want to blame Lou Anarumo for this year? Fine. But until this year, he's been considered one of the best – defensive uh, coordinators. I thought he would get a head coach job. Exactly. So we we can't get crazy. Jim Schwartz is as good, if not better than any defensive coordinator in the league. And the Browns backup talent, especially on the D line and and in the secondary is solid, but their linebackers would be trash and it's just backups. You know, I mean, you got to be realistic. It would be, you asked me this about almost any other team, I'd say it would be clearly the worst in football. With the Browns, I'll say, or maybe they're the fifth worst or the sixth worst or whatever. That's no insult. That's just a reality. Well, Come on, 15. If you say 15, it's only, what, what, 32 teams? You think half the teams in the NFL have a worse defense than the Browns' backups? Come on, that's I not said, realistic. I said at best 20, 15 to 20. At, at best. best 20, that's what I, I think said. that's pushing it. Yeah, I think it'd be lower third. Yeah. I, and I'm, I'm with Bull. I just want to be yeah. realistic on it. I, I will say, though, I think when – and we've, it's been proven this year. The Browns have had a number of backups that have gotten quality time that have really flashed. And so it does make you wonder, is that – how much of that is the X's and the O's? But when you take a pass rusher like Miles Garrett out of that group, who really makes so much happen. He makes it easier on all the corners because they don't have to cover for so long. Why are they the best corners in terms of covering? 
because they only have to cover for a short period of time. 1.3 seconds to get pressure? That's yeah, I mean, you, you can guard a guy for <laughs> 1.3 seconds. When you ask a guy to guard these top elite receivers for three and four seconds, you're going to get beat. Yeah. So, Miles is the straw that makes everything great. That's right. He makes all the other pass rushers great. Yes. He makes the corners look a little better than they are. For wh- whatever reason, Denzel Ward last year, and we theorized maybe he had something going on off the field. He didn't look like Denzel Ward. Um, maybe it was the system. But I do think that I don't want to, you know, this is kind of like the Brady-Belichick question to me. You know, is it the system? Is it the quarterback? I think we've kind of learned that it had a hell of a lot more to do with the quarterback That's right. than it did with the coach. And in this case, I think because of that lesson that we've learned, I would say that they would be okay. Yeah. They would be bottom third. Um and that's as high as I could put them. And think about this for a minute. And it's this is no insult. Because no. any any other team, I'm saying dead last. Sure. Dead last. You're talking about, oh, yeah. we've got 11 starters out on defense. For, yeah. you know, <laughs> I mean, like any team would fold the tent exactly. and go home. Exactly. But think, think about this specific example. The Browns have completely had the Bengals number since Kevin Stefanski's been here. To yeah, me, the two biggest reasons for that are Miles Garrett and Denzel Ward. Yeah. Because Miles Garrett has wreaked havoc against the Bengals. Yeah. And Denzel Ward is one of the few corners that does a great job against Jamar Chase. If you if you didn't have just those two guys, I don't think the Browns win nearly as many games against the Bengals as they have. Not even close. Yeah. And that's just two guys, let alone the whole defense. Now motivation will play a part in this game because I would like oh, to say specific that this is a game. Yeah. Yeah. I would yeah. like to say that this is at least a, like sort of the control and the experiment because You've got a lot of the starters going for the Bengals, right. and you've got a lot of the backups going for that Browns defense. So let's see what happens. But you, you can't measure the motivation. Yeah. The Bengals may have already packed their golf clubs yeah, and shipped them to Florida. Yeah, so we know. just can't use this game as say, right. like if, if they pitch a shutout, we can't come back here Monday and right. say, hey, I guess they are yeah. a top-rated defense. And I won't do the opposite either. If the Browns defense gets killed in this game, sure. I'm not going to go, oh, see, I told you. You know, right. either no, no, no. way. Yeah, also, anyway. I mean, we could say this is like a preseason game, but it's really not. You can't rest everybody. Like no, they're gonna play. Yeah, they're gonna play quite a few guys. Like they're not. You're not. Obviously, they're not playing Flacco. They're not playing. You can't play Amari. Uh, you can't. Well, because you can't play Amari with the backup quarterback. Well, they're not gonna Moore's play Elijah not playing Moore. either. I would guess. Right. He's I don't not think Goodwin's gonna play. But on, on the defensive side, Miles probably isn't gonna play. Uh, but you're gonna ha- and Denzel, I would say for is sure. Is that do you, how, how confident do you feel in that? That he's probably. You said he's probably. I, not gonna I mean, play. I don't know definitively, but I think. Probably because we had, we sit. talked about this yesterday. I I kind of thought that he would be politicking to play. Oh, for sure, he wants to, to play. get that DPOY play. But I mean, Kevin came out the other day and said he doesn't need to play in this game. To That's win. great. <clears throat> so that tells me he's not playing yeah. in this game. Well, yeah, you think I, Newsom I, and and uh, and I'm I'm only saying you can't. Play? This isn't a preseason. You need game. bodies. You you can. Know, there's only there's only so many guys you can rest. Yeah. You can't mm-hmm. sit everybody. Yeah. In a preseason game, if your roster is still sitting at seventy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then you've got here, choices. Here's my <clears throat> list of absolute not playing. Yeah. Would be Flacco, Amari, Miles, Denzel. Absolute. What about Ford and 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 beyond that? I even Hunt. I, I think I think Ford, Hunt, Godwin, Moore, Betonio. I'd the starting Betonio. guards, the starting center. I don't think any of those guys play. But and, and but, Ogbo's not going to play. And, obviously, and they have to be ready. Obviously, one yeah. injury and they need to go in. And you can have Michael Dunn and, and Nick Harris start on the offensive line. But I just I think that some people feel like there no one's going to play. And that's just not the case. Fans talk about Bradley Chubb and what happened in Miami. They were down 30. It's the last two minutes of the game. And this dude is out 
probably for clearly for this year, he probably won't be back until mid to late season next year. Does that come up? Do you think with the coaches are they are they talking about these cautionary tales or boy says you can't live in your fears you got to put guys out there to play I, I think it's a case by case basis like with Denzel's injury history there's no reason to play him right with Amari coming off the heel and the fact that you've got a backup quarterback who's you can't expose him to more hospital balls we don't know what Jeff Driscoll is he going to throw him an ICU ball and, and now he's yeah. out for the playoffs right so even without the heel you can't play Amari <laughs> just because of the backup quarterback situation. Betonio, I would rest because he's got the back thing and whatever else. I know why it's been nicked up a little bit at yeah, times why this play year. Him? So, but but at not every spot do you have the luxury sure. of saying. I mean, the thing of it is, if you take 22, let's just say you took all 22, and the kicker's not starting either. So that's 23 of your 24 right. starters. I think Bohorquez is going to play. But if you rest the 23, that leaves your roster with 30 guys. Yeah. It, I well, mean, you can call up some guy. Well, I guess there's you a limit two on practice that. Squad it's stupid nature for the last week of the season. Yeah, Bo brought that up earlier this yeah. week. What do you think about that? I thought it was a great idea. Baseball expands its roster yeah. in September. Uh, I think it's a great idea for right. football to for do that. the last that. game to be Or even the last, even the last two, month, maybe make you know, three games. certainly the last it, game. Expand it to A lot of 16. teams are in this situation where they're resting guys. Right. Baltimore's doing it. There's a lot of teams that are resting. Yeah, guys. I don't know. I mean, then there's other teams who are playing for something, but I guess that's no different than baseball where there's teams that are playing for something right. going against teams. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. are those guys going to make a difference? Like, you know, I, I don't know. One, I, one thing I wanted to bring up really quickly before – I know Mike's got to do a read. Um, sometimes – I, good ideas come from people that are furthest away from the fire. And um, we were taught, we, I was watching the game with a group of people, and when, when Hopkins got hurt on the kickoff, someone who is not a football fan that I was watching with said, what the hell is he doing trying to tackle him anyhow? He's small and slow. He shouldn't even be out there. And I said, well, he, what is he going to do, kick and then run off the field? He's the last line of defense. And he goes, no, why don't they do like hockey? As soon as he kicks the ball, he sprints to the sideline, and an alternative defender comes on at the exact same spot. He can't come on down at the goal line. He comes on at the 30-yard line, and now he's the extra defender. And you know yeah. what? At first, it sounded absurd to me, and the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, makes perfect that's sense. a great idea. Yeah. Makes you perfect know, sense. I don't you want do like my that. kicker making tackles. Right. right. That's true. Let me ask you guys one thing real quick. We got Tim Couch in four minutes, but there was the NFLPA players survey that came out, and they ranked every player to vote on their own coordinator. So just their own coordinator, rank them 1 to 10. They only released the top five. So there's a chance Jim Schwartz might be six by .1 points. We have no idea. But, Steve, take tag board full. Jim Schwartz wasn't among the top five highest-rated defensive coordinators among their own players. It went Aaron Glenn of Detroit, Steve Wilkes in San Francisco, Dan Quinn of Dallas, Brian Flores in Minnesota, and Raheem Morris with the Rams. Just based on the way we've heard the players talk about Jim Schwartz, were any of you guys as surprised as I was? That he didn't find his way onto this list, which, by the way, means I, nothing. He's kind of ancillary, I think, but I think I, I think the headline of the list is is completely misleading uh, because they're just every player's voting on their own guy and it's, how much they like them. It, you know what? Yeah. You're exactly right. When I read it, I thought, yeah. well, well, this is voted on by their own players and yeah. only their own players. Right, right, right. So I mean, to me, it becomes which coach is most liked by his players. Yeah, and and you know what? The best coaches are not always well liked. By no, in that's fact, true. in fact, when you heard at the Cowboys ceremony on Saturday night when they put Jimmy Johnson into the Ring of Honor in yeah. in Dallas, he flat said, or one of the players may have said, 
I was the biggest asshole in the room. Yeah. And, and, and typically, look at Belichick. Like, guys, there's no picnic playing for that guy. No, no, no. But if you like to win and you like to be pushed and you like to be the best version of yourself, yeah. then – but I think in this case – Maybe the best coaches aren't necessarily the well, most well-received by their own players. Yeah, and also, like Mike, Mike said, I mean, maybe those guys all got 10s for every player, and Jim Schwartz got a 9 from one guy. You know, like, that, it, it, it could be as simple as that. From a to, backup who thinks he should be yeah, playing. Yeah, who knows? For me, I, 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 well, I used to be more into politics than I am now. But, I mean, this is, this is poll data, man. How many times we got You guys got to learn out there. Poll data is not a true guide of how effective or popular somebody is, right? Yeah. We be having polling data and be like, his approval rating is at all time low, and then they get elected. You'd be like, what happened? Yeah. Well, look, these guys are. How how hard are they thinking about this? Yeah, I don't know. They're just it's not. They're not going it's in there like now, guys. Let's get together and figure out what we're going to give Jim Schwartz. All they care about is winning, and you know, like you said, that data. Could be a little bit, a little bit skewed, um, you know. Jay, you have your pulse, your finger on the pulse of the locker room. You're the only one of us that are in there on a regular basis, so you can speak to the camaraderie that they have. Because we talk about the team camaraderie, and I think they have, you know, we talked about chemistry being the most important ingredient to any championship team. That we had a conversation on that earlier this week. What is the camaraderie just among the defense, including Schwartz? Like, how does that group look at one another? I think it's. It's energized. Like, the whole locker room, it's the best since I've started hanging around that team. It, this is by far the best it's ever been. Why, do you think? Because they're winning. Yeah. I, mean, it's, I, I actually wrote about this the other day. It was more, I compared Flacco's impact on this locker room to Channing Fry when he came over to the Cavs. And a couple of people were like, what are you talking about? Like, that team had LeBron. I'm like, yeah, no shit that team had LeBron. Yeah. But This team has Miles Garrett. <laughs> but but what, what Channing did was he broke down walls. He broke down clicks and he unified the entire team. I've seen Joe do that here where he's just energized the entire team. He walked into the Super Bowl ring, and when he talks, they snap to attention, whether you're offense or defense, more offense, but offense or defense, they snap to attention yeah. because he's been there, he knows the way down the path, and he's got the flashlight, and they're all following behind him. So the locker room, we've talked plenty of times about how toxic and dysfunctional the locker room has been over the years, and I could tell you stories about guys punching guys an hour before kickoff and all that's gone and you never told us that story by the way yeah i'll tell you later <laughs> so you said you can tell us stories yeah. i want names we got to hear about that <laughs> i'll tell you later um but but all of that is gone for and, and that was that was years and years ago but this this is the most energized and felt like and, and they were winning before joe got here but just, they felt like the season was, I mean, they're not going to say this, but they felt the season was over when Deshaun went down. I agree. Everybody in there yeah. thought it was over. But each, you know, each team has the two factions, the offense and the defense. Can you compare the camaraderie of those groups? I mean, obviously the offense and their leader has changed multiple times. Multiple times. How does the camaraderie and the, and the cohesiveness of the defense compare to that of the offense? It's hard to say because we're actually not in there a ton. And, when, right. and I was actually talking to a couple of players when I was writing the Channing story about, like, listen, we're not in here a ton, so tell me if I'm totally off base on this or not. We're, when we're in there, a lot of times the players, <laughs> Tim will tell you, the players aren't in there. They know the media's in there. They're not in there. Yep. Yeah. So, get we, taped. so we don't see as much as people tend to think that we do. But I can just tell you that, like, Miles loves screwing around with the defensive guys. And, and even Amari Cooper, who is the quietest guy in the locker room the last few weeks, has been yelling and hooping and hollering and dancing wow. and getting into it. Like, 
Yeah. Everybody is having a great – that locker room does have more players in it now than it usually does during media availability. Well, that's good. Just because everybody's in a great mood. Well, when you win, you want a microphone. When, yeah. you, Guy, when you lose, you don't. Guys, quick note before we bring in Tim. Uh, one of my favorite uh, Cleveland Indians – he was an Indian, the Cleveland Guardians now – has just announced his retirement. Michael Brantley. No After kidding. 15 seasons in the big leagues is retiring. He was always one Loved of my favorites. I did too. He was a one great of my player. favorites when he was here. Most home runs by a, a Indian slash Guardians outfielder in the last like 12 years. Michael Brantley, who's not even really a power hitter. No. Shame it is hard to believe. Shame they didn't bring him back. <laughs> hard to believe. Nuggets. We're going to bring Tim Couch in here. And as always, Tim Couch is brought to us by FanDuel. As the NFL regular season wraps up, there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel America's number one sportsbook right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed just by placing a $5 bet. That's 150 bucks in bonus bets, win or lose for new customers. The app is easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the Explorer tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best way to find popular parlays and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com UCSS to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL, an official partner of the Ultimate Cleveland Sports Show. And, Jason, you talked about punching people in the locker room. We know nobody was messing with Tim Couch back in the day. That's a fact. <laughs> Hell, he could walk into Brown's locker room today and no one's messing with him. Yeah. <laughs> the story I'm referring to is between Tim and now. It's, it's not that Also, far. Tim could corroborate the story. I, no, he's saying it happened between I think it was after that. Tim. It was after Tim. Mm. I was going to say, it sounds like something happened on one of the teams I played on for sure. But, uh, <laughs> you have any crazy There's not a lot of happy players stories? in that locker room. Were there any, were, uh, were there there any instances definitely. in Cleveland where you had to step in and break something up or anything that, uh, yeah, you don't have to get name names, but no, name anything names. you'd like to share? Yeah. Uh, I remember one fight in the locker room. Um, it was between a wide receiver and a defensive back, both starters uh, on our team that uh, I think it was a playoff team we went to. And um, uh, it was after a practice. There was some jawing going on out on the field. We get back in the locker room, and it turned into a full-out brawl, fist fight. And, you know, it took uh, it took a few of us to help pull, uh, separate that fight. But, uh, you know, th- those things kind of happen, you know, especially when you're not winning games and there's not a lot of happy players in the locker room. An hour before the season opener, a defensive back punched an offensive lineman over music an hour before the season oh. opener. You know, music was always, <laughs> never music a, was a big deal in the oh, Indians locker room right. in the, in the yeah. mid to late 90s. Yeah. Albert Bell was very specific yeah. oh, about yeah. what yeah, kind of music yeah. he wanted and didn't want right. played in yeah. the, in the a club. A defensive house. back punching an offensive lineman does not seem like a smart move. <laughs> but like, what's, and the way it's not a smart what's move. he going to do? Like, you're an hour before the game. You can't, like, kill the guy. He needs him on the field. <laughs> But, Tim, you know, music can be a big deal in that locker room. It's a big deal. It's definitely a big deal in the weight room uh, when you're in there training and, you know, certain guys want to listen to a certain type of music. And uh, I've seen some arguments in the weight room as well over music, for sure. Man, that sucks, man. That's terrible. We were so bad, Tim. We they, our, our coach used to come in and tell us, guys, we need to pray and get ready. Turn that music off. <laughs> you know me, gospel music. I said, we in here, here praying to God. <laughs> Before the kickoff, it's a wrap. <laughs> he made you listen to gospel music. We go out went out there. Urban Meyer put seventy-two on us at Bowling Green. Oh, seventy-two. We there praying before the game. <laughs> hey Tim, yesterday we talked about chemistry and how that's like you know the, it's an unmeasurable ingredient. You can't buy it. You can't force it. It happens organically. You've played on teams that were good. You've played on teams that were bad. Talk a little bit about does the media make more of that than what it really is how important is chemistry can it 
you know, what, what, what is its ultimate impact on a team? Yeah, I think it's extremely important. I mean, you know, each, each year is different. You know, each team is going to be different as far as chemistry goes and, you know, how the, you know, the players get along in the locker room. Like we've talked about, you know, are there, is there fighting going on? Is there a lot of, uh, you know, bickering going on out on the field, finger pointing, those kind of things. So when the chemistry is right on a team, it's just one of those kind of feelings that, you know, no matter what's going on in a game, kind of the ups and the downs, we had a turnover, uh, the defense isn't playing well, the offense isn't playing well, it, it, nothing really rattles a team that has good chemistry because they believe in each other and they're going to figure it out together. They're going to find a way to win games. And I think that's what this team this year has really done. And they've shown no matter who's the quarterback, you know, no matter if we started four quarterbacks or our best, run, our best player, Nick Chubb, has been out for the season, we've lost offensive linemen. We have so much chemistry on this team that, you know, they, they just find uh, find different ways to, to continue to win football games, and that's what's been most impressive to me this season. Tim, I said earlier there's two reasons why you would start Jeff Driscoll. Either you're trying to protect P.J. Walker and make sure both your quarterbacks are healthy going to the playoffs, or what I believe, you want to see if Jeff Driscoll can replace P.J. Walker as your backup quarterback. Is that insane to think that one start in Week 18 could be enough to leapfrog P.? I just don't think that Kevin has any faith in P.J. Walker because he's a turnover machine. So I guess that's a long-winded way of saying how important do you think this game is for Jeff Driscoll and the Browns uh, against the Bengals? Yeah, I would have to agree with you on that. I don't think there's a lot of faith in P.J. Walker. I think, you know, just watching when he was in the lineup, you know, the offense was very scaled down. They were trying to, you know, not put him in a lot of positions to where he, you know, had to do too much. They weren't, they weren't asking him to do a whole lot out there. Uh, so for a guy like Jeff Driscoll to come in and get a start in, in the last week of the season like this, I think you want to see what's there. Um, you know, Jeff is a guy that's bounced around the league. I think this is maybe his seventh team or so that he's been on so far in his career. And I remember watching Jeff when he was in college at Florida and a very good player, a very good athlete. I think he's uh, he's a lot faster than, than people probably realize. I think, you know, he was probably a four, five, four, six guy. Uh, he can really run the football. He's a big, strong, physical guy. He's got a strong arm. Uh, there, there's some skill set there that you like. You know, I think he's a capable backup. Um, you know, so hopefully he can um, he, he can get acclimated to the offense quickly and go out there and have a good performance and uh, take take advantage of this opportunity that he has to start uh, start a football game for for a playoff team. You know, Tim. You know, guys around here is getting excited. Um, there's been a very uh, you know very few seasons where the Browns. You could say Super Bowl without people laughing or, or saying lack thereof. Right. They're, they haven't been there. As far, as far as a former player, I've always wondered this. How locked in are you, um, you know, just as a former player playing for the Browns in terms of rooting for the team, watching the team? And do you go through like a life cycle, right? Like, is there a part where when you stop playing for the team, you're like, man, I don't, I kind of don't like them. These are my exes. Then you go through another cycle <laughs> where it's like, oh, okay, I can finally watch them on TV a little bit. And then, you know, you come full circle and you, you find yourself rooting for them with like, you know, maybe a, a brown shirt or hat in your house. Where, where are you in that, that cycle? I think I've went through them all. Like you mentioned, I, uh, you know, when I first got released by the team, I uh, definitely had that. I don't want to watch these guys. I don't want anything to do with them. You know, I, I, I kind of felt like they didn't give me a, a fair deal there, uh, considering what all I went through with the expansion team and those kind of things. And then just coming off a, a playoff year and, you know, broken leg that I didn't get to play in the playoff game and some things like that happened. So I was cer certainly bitter uh, for, for a year or two. But uh, once my career was over and 
uh, just started watching games as a fan. I, I became quickly became a fan of the Browns again, and um, you know, just very appreciative of the opportunity that I had to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, be a number one draft pick, and realize so many dreams that they made possible for me. And um, you know, it changed my life. It changed my family's life, and, and the opportunity they gave me. So I, I'm a huge Browns fan. I pull for them every week. I watch every game. Certainly, we've got my Browns gear on, watching the games every Sunday, and you know. But I, I definitely went through that cycle where I wasn't a big a big fan for a while, but now I'm <laughs> I'm fully on board and, and behind these guys, and would love to see them make a great run in the playoffs. You know, it's amazing. I was just looking at the stats from that playoff game in 2002, and obviously Kelly Holcomb threw for a ton of yardage in that game. But the running game, right. William Green carried 25 times for 30 yards. Oh, jeez. And at, as a whole, it was it was 28 <laughs> carries total by the team for 38 yards. So he wasn't getting any help on the ground. But, you know, Tim, obviously you were hurt, as you said. But, but that was the last year that the Browns played a playoff game in front of fans. Because the only time you've been to the playoffs since then, 2020. And obviously right. it was COVID. So, like... Fans are not used to this. The, the Browns haven't played a playoff game in front of fans in over two decades. That's crazy. But that exciting. crazy. It's crazy. It's, uh, yeah, it's very exciting. I can't believe it's, you know, just the third time since 99 this team has been to the playoffs. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a great thing. You know, I think it's exciting for, for the city to have a team that's, that's uh, competitive and in the playoffs. And, you know, I, it's, it's an awesome thing to go into the last week of the season and not having to have the pressure and, the, you know, to win this game and you're in or though you have to have somebody lose or whatever the situation may be. This team is, has earned its right to be in the playoffs. They can rela- uh, relax and rest their starters and get as healthy and fresh as possible going into that first week of the playoffs. So it, it's super exciting as fans to, to have an opportunity like this, have a team like this who's just been resilient all season long. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for Joe Flacco. I'm excited for what he's been, what he's brought to the city, what he's brought to this football team and energize this team. And I think they have a real chance. You know, I, re- I really do. I'm excited about what they can do uh, with this defense in the playoffs. You know, defense wins games in playoffs. And uh, the way Joe's been playing, he's putting up over 300 yards each game. And it's, uh, you know, when you can do that, you play defense like that, you got a quarterback who's uh, making big plays in the passing game. You always have a chance to win these playoff games. And certainly the Browns have a, a great opportunity ahead of them. It feels like a magic carpet ride. It really does. And and I, I on one hand, I don't like G. Bush keeps saying, hey, man, just relax and enjoy it. But on the other hand, I'm a Browns fan and I'm waiting for that shoe to fall and hit me in the head. Um, can how long can Flacco sustain this incredible play? Is this something that he can take all the way through the playoffs? Because once you get there, as you know, the games get tougher as they go along. Right. You know, Jay, I'll be honest, you know, he's already played, you know, well for longer than I thought he would. You know, I thought Joe was going to be a guy that could come in and give you maybe a game or two where he could, you know, have a big, put up some big numbers. But I thought he's going to kind of be just kind of a game manager type of guy at this age, this stage in his career where they, you know, and obviously just getting to the team, you know, and starting right away. He didn't really know the players, didn't know the playbook, didn't know the system. I thought they would just kind of ease him into this thing, and and they've kind of just opened it wide open, wide up for Joe, and said, you know, this is your offense, go with it. And he's making plays, pushing the football down the field, making big plays in the passing game. So he's already played much better and exceeded all expectations that I had for him. So I'm fully on board on the Joe Flacco train, man. I think he can run this thing all the way through the playoffs. And uh, you know, I, I don't think if I think if the Browns lose a playoff game, I don't I don't think it's going to be because of Joe Flacco and the quarterback play. You know, I think that. You know, maybe someone outplays them or whatever, but I think Joe's going to give this football team an opportunity to win games. Uh, he's going to—he's like I said—he's going to make the big plays in the passing game, and hopefully the defense can play like they have all season, and, and the Browns will certainly have a chance against anyone they go up against. 
Very good. Tim, thanks, thanks for Tim. joining us. Thanks, and uh, Happy New Year, man. We'll see you next week. Hopefully, we're, we're, uh, we'll, by then, we'll obviously know our opponent. And we'll dive into the first-round right. playoff game for the Browns. Thanks, Tim. That sounds good, guys. Thanks. Have a good weekend. All right. Jay, I, I was, I, real quick, I was looking it up. I was As he was talking about the way he was handled here, I was going to ask him, he was a junior when he left Kentucky. What if he went back for his senior year? Does he ever think about how life could be different? Oh, the Browns had the first pick in 2002. So, <laughs> oh, he just want to prolong the misery. But he was they might, delayed it. But they, they might have drafted a different quarterback. quarterback in 99. and he, Who had the second pick in 2000? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember. I got to look it up. Achilles Smith was the other quarterback. Bengals. Yeah. Was in, in or, yeah, no, but that was in 99. Yeah. Maybe they take Donovan McNabb. Who he knows? Awful. Jay, we know. talked about something yesterday I'd like to get your opinion on. We talked about how this offense, and I think it was two days ago because Bernie was in. Was Bernie in yesterday? Yeah, it was yes. yeah, amazing how long this short week has felt. My gosh, yesterday. no, you're right. Um, we, we talked about how the offense clearly looks different mm-hmm. with Joe Flacco. Um, because now it's been successful – with Joe Flacco, do you think there will be a more of a push next year to get Deshaun to conform more to Kevin's offense? Because it is clear that Kevin's offense has looked its best yes. with Baker in 2020 and with Flacco right now. Are we going to push Deshaun into fitting the system? Because we heard a lot from Stefanski saying, hey, I'm going to talk with him and I'm going to put him in situations that he feels comfortable in. That didn't work so well. Well, Okay, I, I, I think that there are components to what Deshaun does that work really well that they can continue to do. And, and I really, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying scrap all of I'm it. I'm talking, I think I would take this more the formation route. I know we talked to Mary Kay about this a couple <laughs> weeks ago. I think Kevin can take the data to Deshaun and say, look, this is why I want you under center. Not all the time. 30% of the Hell, time. Hell, just watch the games. 30% of the time, I want you under center running play action take care of the ball. And I think I mentioned this on the show when, when they were recruiting Deshaun in Rusty Harden's office in Houston and Kevin and Deshaun were talking and Deshaun said, like, give me something to work on. What do you think I need to work on? And Kevin said, ball fakes. Like that's the first thing Kevin went to wow. was, I think you can clean up play action and ball fakes. And this is what I've been trying to allude to for the last few weeks. No one's going to come out and say this. But if you just pay attention and connect the dots and go back to Kevin telling Deshaun that in, in he, when they were in Rusty's office, Kevin's a big proponent in play action out of coming from under center. And the data backs it up that the p- yards per play out of that, it's like seven and a half yards of play as opposed to any other way. Like he gets really good production out of that. And it may not seem like a big deal, but it's just that split second of – making the defense believe that there's a possibility for a handoff is all you need right. to make this thing go. So, and, and, and I'm not even saying that Deshaun fought him on that because I, I've said it on the show. I, I talked to Deshaun after the Baltimore game when he broke his shoulder and he said, like, I've never done this before and this is different, but, you know, I'm willing to try it. I'm willing to do it. But it's just, it was unfamiliar to him because he was always out of the shotgun in Clemson. He was primarily out of the shotgun in Houston. And there's been, you know, they wanted to get him under center a little bit more. And, and people, every time I say this, people say I'm trying to pit Kevin against Deshaun, and that's not it at all. Like, I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you, this is something Kevin wants to do. It's something he believes in. It's something Deshaun has never done before, so it's sort of a work in progress. But I think this, this stretch with Flacco is all the proof that Deshaun should need of this really works. Right. Trust me on this. You can still do, we can still do what you like to do, and we can, you can operate out of the shotgun 
70% of the time, 60, 65, 70% of the time, 70, whatever it is, the number is arbitrary. But trust me on this, let's run this as well, and we're going to have great success that it way. It would actually make the other stuff easier for him. Probably. And, and I think you're right. I, think, I don't think for one second that Deshaun is stubborn and it's my way or the highway. No, not at all. Every player has a favorite they, way of doing things. It, it's but what they're used I, to I just got to adjust. It's an yeah. adjustment Yeah, it's an adjustment, yeah. and I love the way you framed it. If, if he wasn't already in the camp that this can work, he's seen it now. Yes. With a 38-year-old guy that isn't mobile. So I would think that Deshaun, who is a smart guy, and he's football smart, I would think he's watching this and saying, wow, I'm kind of excited to try this stuff out. And on the ball fake thing, it was it's interesting to me that he asked him and Kevin immediately went to that. To me, that tells me that even before they sat down to talk, when Kevin was thinking, what could I do with this guy? He must have had the thought, boy, if I could get him to get under center and work on his play fake, we could do all kinds of great things. Because Flacco, it works so well with Flacco, he's as good at the play fake. And I never thought this first Brilliant. time around. Brilliant. He is as good at the play fake as Boomer Esiason was. Boomer and Steve DeBerg of my childhood. DeBerg was another yeah, one that was great. Were the guys that were phenomenal. So at good it. at and, it. And Joe is as well. And I always yeah. wondered why all quarterbacks didn't work on that more. Because it is so effective. He had one against the Jets where he just completely relaxed his body. He stood up. I mean, the yeah. ball was out of his hand. Yeah. But it wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And it, could, it's so effective. It, it, it's, it's used a lot less, I feel like, than when we were younger. Bernie said that yesterday. Days, yeah. Right. Yeah. You know, I feel like it's not... It's kind of, for some guys, it's a lost art. Well, it when, goes in cycles. Well, and because maybe think now it's about back. it. In high school and college, there's so many guys playing from the shotgun so often. Right. Right offense. That you're it's just not doing start. that yeah, as much. Start. Right. And, and you know. play action out of the shotgun is not nearly the same as play action. No. And let's face yeah. it, the reality is that Deshaun Watson at this point is way more talented than Joe Flacco. Oh, for sure. So if he does these things and adjusts his game, and yes, Kevin Stefanski has to adjust to Deshaun as well. You're not going to ask Deshaun to be under center as much as Joe Flacco. Correct. But there's got to be adjustment for both of them towards the middle, and it can work. And yes. I think that in this in this case, it's not like you have a Brady and Belichick ego clash. Right. I right. think these guys have no ego, and I think they're, if there's two guys that I think you can bring together and mesh, maybe Deshaun Watson had one coming here, but he's lost a lot of his ego shine. Because he's found out that, first of all, from going from Clemson to Houston, that it's not easy. But he has not had the success in Cleveland that he's had in Houston. So I think his ego has come down a bit. I think Stefanski and Watson can come together on this and can make the beautiful play music and, that they're making right now. And between suspensions and injuries, it's, it's played a role. I mean, he's never been, he hasn't really played consistently no, enough for, right. for right. it to work at this point. Mike. We got to get to my five pack of stats here to get you ready for Sunday's game against Cincinnati. One last time as the NFL season wraps up, there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed just by placing a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The best part about the app, it's easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, including. Live same-game parlays. You can find bets in the new Explore tab. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, which is the best and easiest way to find popular parlays and much, much more. So visit FanDuel.com slash UCSS and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. We were talking about Joe Flacco, and the first stat today is about Mr. King Flacco G. Bush. Do you know he is the only quarterback this season 
with four straight 300-yard multi-touchdown passing games this season. The only quarterback, all 32 teams, all 60 starters, the only one to have four straight 300-yard multi-touchdown games. Bull, you tweeted this out, but he has 13 passing touchdowns this season. That's that's 11th already on the Browns' single-season list, and he's only played five games. Against the Jets, on throws of 10 or more air yards, he was 6 of 9 for 160 yards and two touchdowns. And why is that important? Well, since Joe Flacco took over as the Browns' quarterback, they have the third highest explosive pass rate in the entire NFL at 12%. Before Flacco took over, all other quarterbacks before Flacco, they ranked 27th in the NFL. They've jumped from 27th to third with Flacco in explosive pass rate. They've gone from just 5% before, which was 27th, to third at 12%. Wow. More than double where they had been. What so. were they with just Watson, do you know? No, I, I, it just it lumps it in by week. So okay. I, can, I can figure that out later, but for yeah, right I'm now. Curious. It's all before they were five percent. They're up to twelve percent now. I mean, the, the top line there is is absolutely mind numbing. He's played in five games. But, you know, we've got quarterbacks that have played in sixteen games. Not many. But oh, you mean the some. second? Are you talking about the second thing or the no, first? No, the thing? first thing. He's oh, the okay. only quarterback with four straight three hundred yard. He's only had five games to do it. Every yeah. you know, all these other quarterbacks have played many more games and no one's come close to that. Tim Graham's a colleague of mine at The Athletic in Buffalo. Tim's actually from Cleveland. I worked with him generations ago at my first job. Really good guy. And he and I are working on a back and forth debate piece on comeback player of the year, DeMar Hamlin or Joe Flacco. He's obviously stumping for DeMar and I'm That's taking I'm taking Joe. Why? Yeah, it is silly. It's fun. No, 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 no. no. It's no, no. a fine piece. To but to argue, we, we did this I argument yesterday. I argument for DeMar Hamlin. We, he, he how do you played. give it to a guy that's played? He's yeah. got two tackles. He's played 16 snaps. And and my recommendation was, you know what? Create a new award. That's yeah. what I said. Call right. it the DeMar Hamlin Courage Award. I said, and that's I, DeMar it. Hamlin, I died on the field and had a hole punched in my throat. And here I am. By the way. Courage Award. Because that's the line that Tim used in the story. It's ridiculous. By the way, we don't want to go down this road again because it was a big argument yesterday, but we actually argued, Jay argued Baker, and I argued Matthew Stafford over both. Baker over is this. Uh, uh, We're not going down the, the, odds not going down the road. No, 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 no. We don't got to go down that road, but yeah. I, I do want to hear Jason's pick. It was a hot topic yesterday. The odds on favorite are DeMar Hamlin, overwhelming number one. Yeah. Then Flacco, and then Baker. And Flacco and Baker are pretty close. And then the fourth pick, who was way down, was Matthew Stafford. I would take Baker. You would, I would take, Baker. I take Baker over okay. Stafford. But the whole reason I brought that up was because I was looking at 300-yard games, and I don't have it in front of me now, but like I think C.J. Stroud has like seven 300-yard games this year, I think. There haven't been a lot this there year. Have, but basically, Joe has like one less than Mahomes. I think Patrick Mahomes has – what's Joe have, four? Yeah, four. So then I think Patrick has five. I think it is. That's crazy. I'm, and I'm and Sam Howell has like a bunch of 300-yard games. Well, they've been down big in a lot of games. I'm trying to figure and throwing. out why, why other people are astonished by this. I don't know why. Like, when you look at Joe Flacco, I don't think we put enough respect on his game. Gee, he's mostly been bad for the last decade. But, 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 so, but this shows you yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to do with all about you being bad. It's about... The situation you put in. Of course. It's what, about what, the environment. What year did he win the Super Bowl? 2011 was the season. Yeah, I mean, you can't, it wasn't bad yeah. that year. That, that goes, well, that's I mean, more it's than a little more than a decade ago. But, like, he had seasons after his Super Bowl year that were fine. 2014 was, like, his last really good year. It was a really good year, 14. He's been nothing since then, pretty yeah, much. Well, he, <laughs> that goes, I thought last. surprising. I, no. Well, I, la- hell, last year he threw for 300 yards in the first two I mean, or three games the, for the Jets. I, I, I know. And then he quickly got benched. Because he's. 
the third game because the idiots. Jets because the Jets don't know what the hell they have. He, no. he's, he, he Jay, come on. Clearly, he has they not don't played that well the last well, couple of years. Bull, his yeah. his agent called the Jets after Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and they said, "No, we're good." Agreed. The Jets are clueless, but it's okay. still. And but thirty other teams also good. didn't call it either. But that's yeah. that just we keep you can't base what thirty other teams do. Thirty other teams ain't gonna win the Super Bowl either. It's about what you do and put them in a position. No, no, no. Yeah. But you said it's not. We shouldn't it, be surprised. Of shouldn't. course, it's surprising. You shouldn't. What? Come on, bro. He has an elite arm. He's seen every defense possible. He's played in big time games. He has a wealth of knowledge. He is not washed up. He's fresh. Why would you not believe that a guy because with those he skills? Has I'm, I'm for a kind of between you guys. Yeah. I wouldn't have predicted this, but I mean, hell, he threw for 300 yards his first couple of games last year and got benched yeah. after the third game. I mean, it, it, the reality is that none of us are as smart as NFL executives. That's not true. That ain't true. Well, for the most all. part. And yeah. the entire NFL is <laughs> completely absurd. There's, I, some, there's some idiots walking around. I'll agree right with here. you, Mike. None <laughs> of us There's some people that don't have no clue. I understand people who work in this industry who are paid – very high salaries to evaluate talent. And they get it wrong all the time. And, well, I'm not and saying so do we. Like, we get yeah. it wrong yeah, all the time. Of course we do. Everybody gets it wrong. It's not surprising. Not I mean, come on. No, I, I, I'm it's not very surprised. It's very come surprising. I'm, I'm yeah. just saying. I, See, the, the reason it's surprising is that this is the best story in sports. You, if you weren't surprised by it, it wouldn't be the best story in sports. Yeah, exactly. The fact that it's the best story in sports comes from the fact, as you alluded to beautifully yesterday, he came back from... I won't say the couch because we don't know he's not on the couch. Did you he see? came back from his bedroom. <laughs> it was in his house, chilling, and now he's doing it. All right, let's get to the second yeah. stat, though, because we got a couple more to get to. Uh, how about Miles Garrett? Here's the entire list of players with 14 or more sacks in 2021, 2022, and 2023. Miles Garrett. That's it. No one <laughs> else. Just Miles Garrett. Against the Jets, he had six pressures in less than 2.5 seconds, which brings his total on the season of quick pressures, pressures under two and a half seconds, to 54, that's second in the NFL behind Micah Parsons. And we don't like PFF, but I did think this was interesting. I like PFF. He is, uh, maybe it's not the same as it used to be. Bull I still like PFF. They're dead but to I, me. I, I should lie. But he's on pace to break four single-season PFF records for edge rushers. Overall grade, pass rush grade, <laughs> pass rush win rate, and true pass rush win rate, which is it takes out screens, it, it takes out pass plays that aren't, that there's, there's no ability to get a pass rush. So essentially, he is on pace for the single greatest edge rusher season in PFF metrics. So the traditional stats may not back it up, but you look at the analytics, it's miles and it's everybody else. But he doesn't have sacks, McNuggets, Michael Parsons, Michael Parsons. He, I saw him play for Dallas and, and Michael Parsons, shut up. Mike Smiles Garrett been nicer than Michael Parsons. He he gets to the quarterback in 0.5 seconds. Yeah, it's impossible. Now, let me let's let's do a dose of reality. Uh, even though I 100% think Miles Garrett uh, should be the defensive MVP, with 100% certainty, I could say that if the roles were reversed and Miles Garrett had the sacks and T.J. Watt or uh, uh, what's Michael Parsons, Parsons had the better analytics. Then all the Browns fans screaming for Miles Garrett would be screaming the opposite. You yes. use the number that yeah. fits your narrative. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're However, right that doesn't change yeah. my opinion no. that Miles Garrett well, is clearly the best defensive player. Ben Baby was on earlier this week, and he told us about a stat that ESPN sort of created. That is a it's, it's a combo stat for edge rushers, and it equates a lot. It'd be probably the equivalent to a QBR. It, it adds a lot of different measurables in, and he said when you look at that stat and it's a compilation of all the things that you want the edge rusher to do, 
it's Miles Garrett and then everybody else, and mm-hmm. there's a huge gap between them. And I believe that. I, I do. Um, and I think he is going to be the defensive player of the year. Yeah, I think it's long overdue. Uh, he should have won, probably won. Although he has had seasons in the past where he's tailed off. We've talked about that. Right. I think motivation has a lot to do with it. We've talked about that, that you have nothing left to play when for. When you're 5-10. and ten. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's just it's hard to get up. So, uh, <laughs> I, he, to me, he's the defensive player. I've, I've enjoyed watching yeah. him every week. I enjoy getting to know him a little bit. He's a great guy. Uh, fascinating to talk to. All of his different interests. Now minority owner in the Cavs. And oh, you threw that in there. It's quick. I like that. Well, no, it was just like hey, that you, I, there, there was a time not long ago when I had serious concerns about how much longer Miles was going to be in Cleveland. And those are gone. Wow. Yeah. By the way, I mean, we're giving out flowers and I don't want to go too far off the track, but I thought David Njoku had a soundbite yesterday that was the biggest single example of the maturation of any player that I've covered closely and looked at closely. He's, the soundbite, I'll, I'll paraphrase it. He said, every year of my career, I've gone into it and through the season, all I thought about was my stats. I wanted so many catches and so many touchdowns and so many yards. And this year, I divorced myself from that idea. I said, I don't care about stats. stats. I want to be the best I can be to help my team, and I'm going to the Pro Bowl. And I thought that that was a full circle maturation because, remember, there was a time not long ago, he was a healthy scratch. Yeah, and and it, it was imminent that he was out of town, and it, it, I really looked at that soundbite in that moment. And I said, "He's he has arrived physically and mentally." The, he is a tremendous story of a guy who's really sort of come out of his shell this year, in terms of it, it, what what he says. The media really doesn't count. I mean, I, it doesn't matter. Yeah, but in terms of his play on the field, but you can sort of gauge it just in terms of where he's at. And he used to never want to talk, never used to say anything. And now he's just, he's a, he's a machine. He's a quote machine. Yeah. He's very insightful and, and he's very happy. And that wasn't always the case here. It was multiple trade requests. They, you know, they brought in Austin Hooper and they drafted Harrison Bryant. And he, and he's the last one standing. Well, I guess Bryant's still here. Well, if the John Dorsey regime had lasted any longer, he wouldn't be here. He'd be gone. That's probably true. J- yeah. Jimmy Donovan told me that yesterday. He said they had come to the decision. He's out. And, you know, and, and David has said, early on that his relationship with Kevin was rocky at first. And, yeah. and I've had other people tell me, you know, Kevin did a tremendous job of getting David to buy back in and get him back in the boat and pick up the oars again and start rowing because he was, he was out. And when they drafted him, he was just in he was a super athletic young kid uh, who could, who was just an athlete and he's really become a football player. Yeah. It's funny that you said that his relationship with Kevin has come full circle. Did you guys see the clip where he was mic'd up? for the game when Hopkins got hurt and he no. was politicking to Kevin to kick. And what blew me away more than anything was he'd gone up to Stefanski four or five different times and said, come on, I can do this. Yeah. He wasn't calling him coach. He was calling him Kev. Mm-hmm. He's like, Kev, I can make this. I can yeah, make yeah. this. <laughs> was, first of all, it's a hilarious clip. We should find it and play yeah. it. But I was like, wow, he's calling him Kev. Yeah. You know, like, can you imagine one of the Patriots? I don't know. Maybe they do calling Belichick Bill. Yeah. I don't think yeah. it goes down that way, but I like it. You know, we've uh, we've often on this show and, and other media members have been critical of Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski at times for being too patient with some players. Like, get rid of Anthony Schwartz, get rid of this guy. Get rid right. Of... But the reality is, it's good to be patient in most cases. They weren't with Cade York, which worked out. But generally, like, if you draft a guy 
You believe in him. You should. If you give up on him too quick, what does that say about you? Well, like, look, they did give up on Baker, and we're talking about him as the well, comeback they, player no, of the they year. They didn't draft Baker. No, I know, but giving yeah. up on a player in general, someone that's yeah. in your in your system, right, that right, you decide right. we got to keep or we got to let go. Yeah, he's up for comeback player of the year. Award. I hear. So patience I shouldn't win. I agree with you, and I'm yeah. in 99 percent of the cases. That's right. Yeah. Just stay the course. Give That's them time right. to develop. It took Njoku a long time, but it's been worth the wait for sure. It has. Okay. All right, number three comes from Ben Baldwin, a.k.a. the Computer Cowboy on Twitter. Oh, I like that guy. He's a good follower. He's yeah, really good. He's good. Yeah. So, this, so don't ask necessarily context. I just have this. I don't know how he came up with this, but serious conversion rate, which is essentially how often do t- teams turn a first and ten situation into another set of downs. From the defensive standpoint, the further the minus, the better. The Browns have a minus 11.4 series conversion rate better than the league average. So they are 10% better at forcing teams to not turn a first and 10 into something else. Not don't turn ask a first me how you compute into it. a first down, you mean? Into a first down, yeah. yeah. Don't ask me how it's computed. I don't know. But when I see a graphic that has the 2023 Browns as number one all time with the 2000 Ravens as number two, the 2008 Ravens as number three, and the 2002 Buccaneers as number four, and the Browns are better than those three defenses – that means something. Yeah. And that so, goes back to the wow. what we were talking about early in the year about how the defense was getting off the field and the Browns were running like what was it like 60 more snaps? 60 more snaps, yep. Per, uh, basically they were the Browns were keeping opposing defenses out on the field an extra full game because their defense was so good at getting off the field. Man, it, that's it, nuts. And yeah. those are all-time great defenses and I'm sure That's what I'm saying. I don't if know that exactly stat how had it's gone converted. back to 1985, the 85 Bears would be in it there. It goes too. back to 96. So, yeah. it's up to nine. And once again, I don't know how we can But those defenses that. are like but all-time those are the, great some defenses. Some of the best defenses yeah. ever mm-hmm. and the Browns at least in this series conversion rate above league average better than those three. They, Stunning. They there's a lot of teams that that have this philosophy of you know what? We're going to give up some yards here or there, you know, and we're just going to bend but don't break, holding us some field goals. And it's the most infuriating thing to be a defensive player and they call a defense that you know is going to give up four yards, but they're, they're playing for down the line. It's the Browns. You know what they do? The reason they're that good is because they're more aggressive than everybody. Get them off the field. They are aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. And then when you think they're going to let up, they're more aggressive. So, you know, that's the thing that I I hold on to is I like a coordinator that's not going to watch somebody walk the ball down the field or play cover three. And I remember times watching the Browns give up five to seven yards, a pop, just seven, five, check down. You're like, what? No, 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 no. I like. I love the fact the Browns play this aggressively. Yeah, get them off. Three All plays. Right, number four. One question, Mike, some... before you go on. Do you know this yeah. stat? D- did I see a stat last week that said the Browns lead the NFL in takeaways? I think they're third or fourth. I think they're third. I can double check You're right. one sec. They were. That shocked me because they got off to a slow start. It was 27 takeaways. I saw the stat. Too. Yeah, 27, and I thought it said they were first in the NFL. Yeah. And, after, and I was like, wow, man, did they make up that ground fast. Yeah. Yeah. They, because have tw- they have 27, Baltimore is 29. So they're two Baltimore behind Baltimore. Baltimore probably passed them the last week. Because I, I saw what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah I third. think at the time they were first. Because yeah. I remember seeing they, they put it on the I Browns think it was first. probably after they had already played the Jets before the Ravens had played. It probably was that it. That's probably what it was. But that's, yeah. to yeah. me, that's stunning. Because they amazing. were not taking it first away in the first four or five weren't. games. Yeah. They did not do it. Major turn. Okay, number four. I got some unsung defensive heroes. We talked about Ronnie Hickman earlier. Mm-hmm. 
Well, last week against the Jets, he was the highest-graded PFF safety in the league. He had a 93 grade. Since week 14, when he started playing more regular snaps after Grant Delpit's gone out, he has an 84.7 PFF grade. That ranks fifth out of 95 qualified safeties. And with his snaps against the Jets, he officially enters the overall safety category. He's the fourth-highest PFF-graded safety in all of football this year, which is kind of absurd. Alex Wright wow. also, Alex Wright, three straight games with a sack. He has seven QB pressures in those three games. He's up to 19 on the season. He only had 12 all of last year. He has seven in the last three games. Two guys to watch on Sunday who will definitely play. Alex Wright, Ronnie Hickman, playing at a phenomenal level. Hopefully that continues for the Browns. And, That's Mike, you push. say he only had 12 last year and he has 19 this year. My guess, I, How many snaps? I obviously could be wrong, is he took a lot more snaps last year. I would have guessed that too. He missed a few games, but I could tell he, you. But he was second. a bigger part of the uh, defense right, last had year. I mean, this year he's, you know, relegated to second team. Yeah. yeah. But and, no, uh, yes, I mean, both those guys. But the Hickman stat, you yeah. said fourth rated safety? Yeah, he's played 297 snaps now, which once you break 250, you enter the category of all safeties, anything below that. Yeah. But yeah. Second nice. high, uh, fourth highest graded safety. PFF's not dead to you right now. Well, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> loving PFF right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's been really impressive. He He's a guy that right now is passing the PFF test and the eye test. You're I right. Mean, yeah, and you that's the, when you and get both, both of those. Way, by the way, lot. I just looked it up. Alex Wright played 200 more snaps than he has this season. And he's, yeah, that's yeah, what yeah, I figured. So the fact seven that he's got, more pressures, yeah. he's got more pressures playing 200 less snaps. Yeah, that's a couple of complete games. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, it is. It's nuts. Yeah, he's been really coming on. And the last one before we read some comments on G's outfit, because the chat, G, oh, is, yeah. is loving the fit. But a yeah, couple records that Stefanski has a chance to uh, eclipse this week. He could become the first Browns coach, or he is the first Browns coach, excuse me, to lead the team to multiple playoff berths since Marty Schottenheimer. He joins Paul Brown as the only head coach in franchise history with multiple 11-win regular seasons. Wow. The Browns' longest win streak since returning to Cleveland in 99. Four games. They've done it four times. It's happened three times under Stefanski. <laughs> and if they win this Sunday, it'll be five, setting a new record. He's also looking to become the and second And Earl gets all ever. the flowers in the world if they win Sunday. That's true. Because yes. he sat in G's chair one day when he was out and said with all the confidence of G. Bush and all the Kool-Aid of G. Flacco, Bush baby. that they were going to go 5-0. and oh, and, and we, we laughed at him. him. We're lockstep. What do you mean? He sat in his chair. Yeah. Did he say what he was supposed to? He gets part, partial <laughs> credit for I, that. I, I, I get a little I, I side bet yeah. on him. I had said when he said that G. Bush but, must have spilled some of that Kool-Aid in that chair. I got 10 of my By the way, I feel like G. kind of looks a little like Sylvester Stallone in Rocky. No, that, that wasn't it. No. <laughs> Wait, didn't rerun yeah. wear the Kangol, the leather Kangol? Yeah, yeah, but rerun ain't never looked like this. <laughs> yeah, rerun. You got to say, yeah. hey, we, he can dance though, rerun. Yeah, rerun rerun could dance. Day. My arms don't lift up that By the more. way, 95% <laughs> of our audience right now is saying, who in the hell is rerun? <laughs> well, we got That's some G, bro. We're going we're gonna to roast you a little bit. They got here. some good we ones. We got first super chats, then we'll get into some other comments. <laughs> but uh, Reggie Smins, Sims says, let's go. Damian Frederick says, G. Bush, like he sorry for 2004. Oh, that's wow. Ruben Stoddard. Ruben <laughs> Stoddard. They put it in subtitles. That was dope. Dog, you a little pitchy. You a little pitchy. That's going to be a no for me, dog. Jonathan Mann said, G. looking like he's collecting the VIG this week. That's what I'm saying. Stallone. That's With what he that Ohio said, did G. Bush just shoot a Missy Elliott video? Oh, <laughs> I can't stand the rain. Uh, we have two non-G. Bush super chats, then we'll get to the rest of the roast. But Kevin Robinson says, I'm excited to watch Siaka Ika. 
closely see what we have in the rookie defensive tackle. Yeah. And Parajut Sandhu says, man, do I miss watching football live, guys. I'm live from India right now. We'll Shout be back out on to Monday. You. Go Brownies. Shout out to our viewers all across the world, including you in India. couple more roast, G. <laughs> Ghost of Flea said, G would start a new Jack Swing group. Oh, l- listen, what you mean? T- Shout out to Teddy Riley. New Jack Swing. I'm, I'm in uh, um, all the movies in the 80s. King of New York. Corey McLaughlin says, G got a rub on cologne with that hat. <laughs> no, actually. <laughs> actually, <laughs> actually, it'd be true. Jack can be so Actually, heartless. on some really crazy stuff. Like, I had to go get gas, and I spilled gas on myself. And I'm like, bro, like, am I getting high over here? <laughs> like, I spilled some gas on my, yeah, so, yeah, we got to get Evan 419 says, G went over the salary cap for this fit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, stop that. That used dry snitching. My wife has not seen none of this. <laughs> Mark <laughs> says, uh, G's outfit came from Ashley's furniture. <laughs> <laughs> Transforms into a futon. <laughs> Freddie B. Ashley Furniture. Freddie B. Says, uh, G. Bush looks like he'll take your lunch money, then help you with your math homework. <laughs> Y'all cold. Evan also says, G. Got a mini lint roller in his pocket right now. <laughs> yes, no doubt. No, just duct tape. I put on Roberto this. Roberto El Presidente says, All G. Bush needs is a four finger ring. Oh, listen, I, I thought about getting one of them, no lie, about like four days ago. But I'm like, I can't use this just as a prop. This is way too expensive for a prop. Couple more. Colin Loritish says, I think G. Bush and Easy E about to drop an album. <laughs> Creative Juice says, G reminds me of Anthony Adams stepping out of his Cadillac to play hoop with gators on. <laughs> Sam Adams. <laughs> Vernal Jackson says, heavy G and the boys. <laughs> that is, you're right. Like, you know what? Men at large. Shout out to them. Squid Vet Ohio says, G drove to work in a Lincoln. <laughs> with fuzzy dice. Uh, all right, we have two more. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. He says, Roberto El Presidente says, G. Bush still got the price tag on his jacket and hat. He headed to Mr. Alberts to return it post today's show. (laughs) Hey, listen, yeah, yeah, listen. My sides was kind of tight, dog. Can I get this back? I come back in a new red leather. Gleazy Baby 43 says, regarding the series conversion stat, you mentioned the Ravens and Bucks won Super Bowl those years. Now let's go enjoy a brownies. And Ant, you said there's one more? Yeah, somebody said, G. looks like he's out of building, uncle. Oh, oh, I missed. I missed you said it. <laughs> and I might have leather open toe sandals too. Like, <laughs> hey, real quick for three minutes before we go over to WKYC for brand new Never Forcing content. Jay, you put in the group chat yesterday the Browns. You hope they don't regret not signing Dalvin Cook. He went to the Ravens. Is that your worst case nightmare scenario for Dalvin Cook? Yeah, it was. I did. We talked about you know reasons to sign him. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that a the Jets castaways have been pretty good for the Browns this year. B, the Jets' lineman, uh, offensive line is trash. He wasn't the lead runner there. Let's, let's bring him in for a one-game audition, save the hits on our running backs, and 
keep him from going to the Chiefs or the Ravens where we might have to stop him in the playoffs. And now I got no concern. I think he's washed as bad as their offensive line is. Brees Hall's been really good. Brown's offensive line's not been good run blocking. If you look at his stats when when runs are blocked perfectly, he's one of the worst running backs in the league. He was already in decline last year. Yeah, so was Flacco. Just because one guy, you know, oh, we, we use the that. Ravens have signed five veteran <laughs> well, running yeah. backs the last two years. They've all sucked. Bull, I need you and Jason to come up with a rebuttal because people going to be smacking y'all with that forever. Like, it's the one thing we got. <laughs> it's like y'all's yard per carry. Yes. But if we did it with Flacco, <laughs> anybody. As we'll, if that means everybody. Everybody. Good. Everybody's yeah. good now. Yeah. Everybody's good now. Jay, where are you on that? Did, we, did Were you... Did you think they should at least bring I don't him think in for the game? I don't think he's got anything left, but I mean, the Flacco thing is stuck in the back of my <laughs> yeah. head. It is. And, and not only for you, you should also use Kareem Hunt, who was riding on three wheels he right now. He still is. Oh, sure oh, he, he is. is. Come on. If he had four, he'd be the lead back. The running back suck. How many touchdowns does he have? He gets the ball at the two-yard line. Take nine touchdowns. Nobody else could get it in from the two. Hey, Listen, hey. he has filled a role. He's filled a role admirably. Yeah. Let's not pretend this he's is He's the world's Hunt. prettiest big wheel. Let's not pretend this is Kareem Hunt from four and five right. and six. Hey, I'm not. Kansas. I'm not. That's the only point I was ever Kansas. trying Where to would they be without him, though? Nine touchdowns off the board. No, How many that's games? Not true. That's Why not? not true. Why not? That. Why not? Other guys could have scored Other guys would have had those same opportunities. That's his role. red zone offense last Where would Ohio State have been in 2002 without Lydell Ross? Because they wouldn't give Maurice Claire at the ball at the goal line. They made Lydell Ross do the carries. Like, I'm on. just saying, he's been a very he, he been a still, key I contributor have, to this team. A role he's a key role. contributor. I, I have never, I have not heard Lydell Ross's name resurrected. <laughs> I know that. Where, I, where I the like, hell did I that couldn't come even from? Say no more. I covered Ohio State back then. <laughs> no, I, I know. But when wow. you said it, I'm like, and remember, he had, remember, he had oh, them yeah. his freshman year, he had them a little 1100 yards. He was. We be thought we thought he was going to be five second trophy winner. See on Channel Three. Peace. Yeah, he thought he was the truth. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.